So if you've got your, your program with you, we are concluding our service, our series um, at the cross. We started this series on Easter Sunday. and We've been looking at the cross and some lessons from the lives of those people who were at the foot of the cross or at the cross uh, with Jesus 2,000 years ago on that Good Friday. We looked at the, uh, the thief on the cross who died next to Jesus. We looked at Mary Magdalene, one of the devoted followers of Jesus. We also last week looked at the Roman soldier's life and some lessons we could learn from him. And today we're going to talk about seeing the cross or what can we learn from the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, before we get into that, I want to, I want to talk about moms for a couple of minutes. Um, so just hold on to your outline and we'll dive into that in just a second. Because as Kristen alluded to in her prayer, Mother's Day is one of those weird days on the calendar. It's an incredibly great day for many people. I remember the year before we started Seminole Community Church, we started Easter of 1993, really Palm Sunday of 1993. We had our practice, our practice uh, service in a funeral home. Um, you've heard those stories from uh, Stones of Remembrance and Thanksgiving. Um, I remember the year before, we started SEC. Nancy and I, my wife and I, we dedicated, we stood before our whole church family at Central Baptist over on um, West 1st Street, and we dedicated our daughter, Kristen. That was 30 years ago. It was 1992. Can you believe I have a 30-year-old? I feel so old when I say that. I feel older saying I have a 30-year-old than saying I'm 55. Um, and Kristen, who led worship just a couple minutes ago, she was in her little frilly dress, and we were so proud with a, you know, with a baby that, you know, the car seat just kind of swallowed her up. And um, we sat there or stood there with a whole lot of people, and they did kind of the same thing. They prayed for us as parents. And we were so excited about our new family. Can you all remember, moms, can you remember your first Mother's Day? Some of you got to remember way back. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? For many people today, Mother's Day is a day like that, a good day like that. Maybe like these young families who are up here, maybe you're in that sweet spot of life. Maybe you're here today and you're in the sweet spot of life. And what I mean by that is you're happily married and you have children and you still like your children they like you most days, and maybe your mom is still living, and you have a good relationship with her still. You get along with... So if that's your case, if you're checking all those boxes, then Mother's Day is a good day for you. Heck, it's a great day. It would be really nice if everyone had a Mother's Day like that, if all of our Mother's Days were like that, a real happy Mother's Day. But for a lot of people today, Mother's Day, Mother's Day may be a difficult day, may even be a hard day for you. Um, for some of you, maybe you would love to be a mom. But, I mean, you long to have a child, but so far, for one reason or another, you haven't had that dream come true yet. For some of you, you, you don't have children because you're not married, and but you would love to be married, and... A day like today is just a kind of a, a reminder 
of your marital status, and it's and it's painful. Others of you, you are married, but you haven't had children yet, and um, maybe you've chosen not to have children. And that's okay. But some of you, if you're married, you've been trying and trying and trying. You've been praying and praying and praying, and that's not okay. I think that's one of the most difficult things in life to go through is wanting so badly to have a child, seeing your peers, your friends, your coworkers have children, and for one reason or another, things haven't worked out. And I just want to let you know, if you're watching or you're here and that's your, your situation, I'm so sorry. Email me or text me. I'll be happy to pray with you. In fact, that's what I want to encourage you to do. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. It's okay to pray and pray and pray for God to bless you with a child. In fact, the Bible even tells us that children are a blessing from the Lord. I think the Bible tells us that because sometimes it doesn't feel that way, right? You, you need God reminding you, children, now children are a blessing from the Lord. And someone says, teenagers do? Yeah, teenagers are a blessing from the Lord. Like, it doesn't seem that way. But even, even when it doesn't, it's okay to pray for God to bless your family with children. In fact, many times in the Bible, women prayed for God to bless them with a the child, and finally it happened. I, I can't tell you how many times... In 30 years of ministry, I've prayed with the family for months and months and months and even years and years and years. And then finally it happened. For most people, Mother's Day is a, is a day of conflicting emotions. We want to rejoice and be excited uh, for these new young babies. But there's some of you here who probably, maybe you're in a difficult marriage. And... That can kind of bring us out of a cloud of sadness over an otherwise happy holiday. You may think back to happier times when, when things seem to be going a lot better. Maybe you even feel a little gypped that things haven't been so rosy lately. You, know, you, thought, you thought that it would have turned out different. And so it's a happy day. You're happy for the kids that you have, but it's a sad day because of some looming situation on the horizon maybe or perhaps you're a stepmother we have so many blended families in our church and um, let me just tell you being a stepmom is not easy on mother's day um, because you have a blended family and look the, the word to describe mother's day for everybody who is a stepmom stepdad step family blended family the word the word of the day it's complicated isn't it because things may be a little strained between you and your stepchildren. I mean, you're their mom, but you're not their mom. And you may, may even be a little weird between you and your biological children. Because if they have a stepmom, you know, you want them to honor the stepmom. But, hey, you're the mom, and, and things get a little weird. It's a complicated set of emotions for you. And I just want you to know we're praying for you today. Um, because we understand. And for, for many of our single moms, our, our church loves single moms. We have... I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you single moms do everything that you do. Because it can get very lonely on Mother's Day for single moms. It's a day when we realize, all of us realize how, how hard parenting is as a couple, much less as a single parent. And I want you to remember that God says that he is the father to the fatherless. And he can give you strength and he will give you strength if you'll continue to turn to him. And I, I get it. I hope that you're in a great co-parenting situation that the, the, the dad of your children is helpful and in your life that's what's best for them for sure. But I understand sometimes that 
that they're absent or they're not involved. And I just want to encourage you that God says he will make up the difference. You keep doing what you're doing. You keep staying faithful to him. He'll give you the strength, and he'll make up the difference. Listen, as eventually, as, as we all get older, Mother's Day kind of morphs from an all-out celebration of moms and babies um, to kind of a time of reflection and even sadness or even grieving uh, for those who have lost a mother. This year, I've done more funerals than in any other year in 30 years of ministry. And many times I've stood at a memorial service or in front of a, a casket and, uh, and buried a mom. And i got to tell you, whether you lose your mom when you're young or you lose your mom when you're in your 70s, that leaves a huge hole in your heart. And I've been praying for those of you who are in our church family that I know who've lost a mom this year, and you're facing your first Mother's Day. Maybe you're watching on, online because it's just too hard to get up and come to church today. I just wanted to let you know. It's okay. We're praying for you. We love you. But the truth is, if you've lost a mom 10, 20, 30 years ago, every Mother's Day is a difficult day for anyone who's lost a mom. That hole, that emptiness never really goes away. So it's okay to be excited for the moms that are here in your life, but also to be sad at the same time um, if you've lost your mom, if she's predeceased you and gone ahead. And look, there's a few of you who I just don't know how you make it through a day like today. Uh, we have a few moms in our church who have lost a child. Um, some of you have buried more than one, one child. And, and I know especially how hard this day is for you today. Um, I've been praying for you all week. Um, it's a day that we, we, we celebrate being a mom. You're celebrating, but you're also that, that child that's predeceased that's gone on to heaven ahead of you. Um, that longing for your child never, never ends. And I just want to let you know, I love you. I'm praying for you. We are so sorry for your loss. That is out of the, of the natural order of things. No parent should ever have to, to bury their child. And I know it's especially a tough day for you. But some of the things that we're going to say today and pray today to encourage parents, you would concur, you would agree that God can get you through even the most difficult of circumstances. For a lot of people, though, Mother's Day is a hard day, not just a happy, happy day. And that's what makes today such a day of competing uh, emotions. We have much to celebrate, much to be happy about. But we also have some that we miss that we would love to be able to talk to again and remember. So let me just take a moment and pray for our moms before we jump back into our Bible study. Heavenly Father, we do love you and we thank you for all the moms in our lives and in our church. Our church would not be the church it is without the moms who help make up Seminole Community Church. Thank you for their importance. Thank you for the difference that they make in this world and in our lives, the incredible impact they have in the life of our church. What moms do is important. And there are so many emotions that swirl around that for some of us today this is a very difficult day we miss the mom who has died and gone on ahead or we're grieving maybe because we're not yet a mom or because we have a relationship with a mom that that's strained and, and it's struggling right now it's just an example of how important today is lord that we pause and we thank you for the moms in our life god for those who are going through that today i pray that you'll comfort them right now God, for all the moms that are watching online or out in the pavilion, for all the moms that are here, 
or that are in our minds right now. We just want to so appreciate them and say thank you for them in our lives. Thank you for the literally millions of things that they do to make an incredible difference here and all the way into eternity. And thank you for their faith, for their heart for you. Thank you for their willingness to sacrifice and share their lives so that their children and others might be encouraged and have their lives changed and filled with faith because of the moms in their life. We thank you, Jesus, for all of our moms and all the moms that touch our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, as I was saying, if you'll turn in your notes there to the outline, we are coming to the conclusion today of our At the Cross series. And I want to look at this through the eyes of the mother of Jesus, Jesus' mom, Mary. And even though Mary knew that Jesus, her son, was the Son of God, When you think back to that first Christmas in Bethlehem, Mary knew that Jesus was special. Mary knew Jesus was the Son of God. But Mary had no idea at that moment that one day Jesus would die on a cross in Jerusalem. There were only a handful of people at the cross that day, that Friday, for those six hours that Jesus hung on the cross. But one of the people that was there was His mother, Mary. Now, I told you a couple weeks ago, there was a lot of Marys at the cross. Let me read to you John 19, verse 25 to 27. It says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother. Of course, her name's Mary. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, also named Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple that he loved, He said to her, Dear woman, here's your son. And he said to this disciple, that's John who's writing this, he said, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple, John, took her into his home. Jesus said, Mary, this is John. John, treat her like like your mother and take care of her. And John did. All the rest of Mary's days, tradition tells us, in Ephesus. Through Mary's experience at the cross we can discover, and what I want us to look at is what can we apply to our lives so that we can be a faithful follower of Jesus. So if you'll grab a pen there from the chair in front of you and kind of click it open, I want you to fill out just five little little things as we write them in. But The first thing we learn from, from Mary is that following Jesus begins with obedience. We write that in there, following Jesus begins with obedience. When It begins with letting Jesus be our leader. The word the Bible uses is Lord. Because just saying you're a Christian doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Or being born into a Christian family doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. As we said, salvation is is a personal decision. Even going to church or reading the Bible or being a good person doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. More than anything else, the number one characteristic of followers of Jesus is obedience. It's saying, Jesus is my Lord. He's my boss, and I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do. And this is what we see in Mary's life. Now, now you picture all the way back to the beginning of Mary's story. She's a young teenage girl. She's engaged to be married. She finds out through a supernatural conversation with an angel 
that she's pregnant, and she knows she's not pregnant from her fiancé, but she's pregnant from the Holy Spirit, that's enough to just blow our minds. Imagine what it was for the person who was hearing that. How would you have responded? Well, she responded with obedience. Luke one thirty eight says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Mary said, okay, God, whatever you say, I'm going to do. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. Wherever you lead me to go, I'm going to go. I trust you. I'm going to obey. Now, when she spoke those words, she didn't really know what she was going to have to go through. She didn't know that she was going to give birth in a stable just nine months from then. She didn't know that King Herod was going to put a hit and send soldiers and try to seek and destroy her baby, kill him. She didn't know that she was going to have to leave in the middle of the night and flee to a strange land down to Egypt for years. She didn't know, she certainly didn't know, that one day her son would be taken by the Romans, tried six times in the middle of the night, and hung on a cross the next day before anybody even realized what was going on. Yet she trusted God and said, Okay, God, I'm going to listen to your voice above every voice, and I'm going to follow you above every other person and every other thing. The question for us is, have we made that decision for our life? Have we told God, have you told God, hey, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. Wherever you lead, I'm going to follow. I'm going to trust your voice above every other voice. Jesus said it this way the night before he was betrayed in John 14. He said in verse 15 and then in verse 21, he says it again. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Verse 21 says, those who accepted my commandments and obeyed him were the ones who loved me. So Mary's obedience shows that she loves God enough, she loves Jesus enough to follow him all the way to the cross. What does our obedience say about our love for Jesus? Because obedience always leads to God's best. It's always the best thing to do is to obey what Jesus is saying or what God's saying. Obeying Jesus and following Jesus is not always the easiest thing to do. In fact, I can tell you, it is not the easiest thing to do. Sometimes it's very difficult. But it's always the best thing to do. That truth leads us to our next lesson that we learn from Mary about following Jesus. Here's the second lesson. First, it begins with obedience. And then number two, the second lesson Following Jesus leads to both joy and sorrow. Will you feel on both end? Joy and sorrow. This is hard for some people to accept. Because they think, hey, if I'm following Jesus, it should lead to a life of joy, joy, joy. And more joy. In fact, maybe you thought when you first became a Christian, hey, now that I'm a Christian everything's going to go my way. Everything's going to be easier. You know, all the lottery numbers will appear in my dreams somehow. And I'm just so sorry if you listen to one of those those TV evangelist types with the big hair that said, if you just accept Jesus and send me a lot of money, you'll never have any more problems for the rest of your life. Because I, when I hear people say that, that's what I thought, Pastor. I'd say, well, 
haven't you read your Bible? Have you read about the followers of Jesus? It doesn't all go their way. You know, they, they still have problems. In fact, when you read their life, you're like, well, they have a lot of problems. Absolutely they do. Because God is building character in his followers. And he's more concerned about our character than he is our comfort. And God never promises that everything's just going to be fine here. Because, folks, news alert, news flash, this is earth. This isn't heaven. And Jesus tells us we're going to have some troubles while we're here. But we discover from Mary that not only is there great joy in following Christ, but there's also sorrow that comes along the way. Just as much a part of life as the joy is the sorrow. Sometimes, sometimes following Jesus could lead you right to the edge of the, to the foot of the cross. Now, Mary was kind of warned about this early on in Jesus' life. In fact, it's kind of a little bit of foreshadowing, a little bit of, of a warning that this was always God's plan. God's plan was that Jesus was going to go to the cross before Jesus was ever born in Bethlehem. We talk about that most Christmas Eves here. And what we discover, um, in fact, just 40 days into Jesus' life, so he's, you know, he's born on like what we celebrate as Christmas, another 40 days or so, um, first week of February on our calendar kind of a thing, they take this, this baby that's only six weeks old to the temple to be blessed at the temple, which any good Jewish family would do. I'm going to read you Luke 2, verse 27, 28, then down to 34, 35. It says, So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Now, Simeon was an elderly, godly man who had been waiting his whole life, and God had told him, you're going to see the Messiah. And by faith, he's waiting for the day that he sees the Messiah. And this is what Simeon says. He says, he took the child in his arms and praised God. That's the joy. And then in verse 34, it says, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. There's the sorrow. And then he continues, But he will be a joy. There's more joy. To many others, he has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. There's the sorrow. He says in verse 35, as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then this last part, I don't want you to miss this last part. It's, it's specifically directed to Mary. It says a sword will pierce your very soul. Well, that's like a, at the end of the blessing, and a sword will pierce your very soul. What an emotional roller coaster that blessing is. And sometimes that's what it's like to follow Jesus. It's a big, big high joy, and then low, low, low sorrow. And then another high joy, and then a low sorrow. There are these moments of joy, but there's also these moments of sorrow. And following Jesus is seldom the easy path. It's not the path of least resistance, but it is always the path of greatest reward. And that's an important lesson that we learn from Mary at the cross. That even though there's times of sorrow, the cross shows that God will overcome any failure, any hurt, any loss because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He has already overcome the world. And don't take my word for this. Your Savior Jesus told us this himself in John 16, verse 33. Again, the night before, that he, goes, before he goes to the cross. You know what he says to his disciples? You know what he says to us? He says, here on earth... Because you're not in heaven. Here on earth, 
you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus says, look, this is life and life comes with trials and life comes with sorrows, but take heart. I have overcome the world and all of its trials and all of its sorrows. And what Jesus is saying is that if we follow him, he will help us overcome. No matter what we're facing, Jesus says, if you follow me, I will help you through whatever family issue, whatever financial issue, whatever relationship issue, whatever health issue, whatever issue, problem, sorrow you're going through, I'll help you. And in the end, I hope you win in the end. And both joy and, fo- and sorrow is important to follow Jesus. Well, there's something else we learned from Mary. And this isn't something you hear about very much. But here's lesson number three. Following Jesus is filled with miracle moments. Will you write that down? Following Jesus is filled with miracle moments. I love this about the Christian life. Because when you follow Jesus, if you're following Jesus with your eyes wide open and you're watching where God is at work, as we talked about in our Experiencing God, the Seven Realities of Experiencing God series, the last series that we just did, what you're going to discover is there are going to be moments in your life regularly that can only be defined as miracles. Now, what is a miracle moment? Here's my definition. My definition of a miracle moment is, is an experience that happens in your life that causes you to say, look what God just did. It's something that happens in your life that's more than a coincidence. It's not something that you did. It's not something that somebody else, somebody else did. But it causes you to go, look what God just did. A miracle moment could be something really big. But a lot of miracle moments oftentimes are just small miracles that God does. God winks that he does in our life. And that's the exciting thing about following Jesus. If you follow Jesus with your eyes open and you're watching, saying, God, show me where you're at work. God, show me what you're doing in my life today. You will start to see miracle moments happening all around you, maybe even every day. Can you imagine... For a moment, how many miracle moments Mary, the mother of Jesus, must have had with Jesus during her life? One of the first big miracles that we read about in Scripture, what happened when Jesus was around 12 years old. Now, Mary and Joseph had taken Jesus back to Jerusalem for the annual Passover. So this is like a national holiday. Everybody takes the week off. They all gather, they have the Passover meal, celebrating what God did all the way back with the children of, of uh, the Hebrews in, in, in Egypt. And, um, and they take Jesus to this festival, and then they're, tra- now they're traveling with extended family, maybe a hundred, maybe hundreds in their group that's moving from Nazareth to Jesus and now heading back to Nazareth. And... and um, And as they're going home, they just assume that Jesus was with one of his cousins, one of the extended family. And then they discovered that he wasn't. They had left him behind in Jerusalem. They couldn't find him. Now, as a parent, can you imagine the panic of losing your child? How many of you have lost your child for like one minute at Walmart or or five minutes at Disney? The terror, the panic... That, that when you can't find them, even for those just one minute or five minutes, it, it's, it's one of the most scary moments of your life. 
But can you imagine? Think about it. That child happened to be the son of God. Now you're responsible. And God says, hey, I'm going to have you raise my son. And you look at your husband, Joseph, and said, you lost God's son? <laughs> Me? The angel came to you, you know. Can you imagine standing before God and hey, God, you, we, lost, we lost Jesus. We lost you. Do you know where he is? <laughs> you know. This is why they panic. They're freaking out. Now, the Bible gives us a little clue of how, of how panicked it is, but it, it calms it down way too much. Um, so I'll add some emphasis to help us. It says in Luke 42, 46 to 50, it says, three days later, they lost Jesus for three days, y'all. Three days later, they finally discover him in the temple. That's the miracle moment. Look, if you've lost your child for three days and you find your child, I mean, imagine the euphoria, imagine the relief, imagine the, I mean, you, but then when you find your child, you go from, from joy to livid in about a split second, don't you? Because it says, I mean, what was Jesus doing? They finally found him, discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard them were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Verse 48 is one of my favorite verses. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Jesus responds, why did you need to search, he asked. Did you, didn't you know I must be in my father's house? And she's like, duh, now we do. But no, we've been scared to death for three days. Why did you put us through 72 hours of, of terror? And then I don't want you to miss this last verse either, verse 51. It says, and his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus wants us to experience miracle moments with him as well. That's why it's important for us to have our eyes open, for us to spend time with him, for us to say, God, show me where you're at work. Show me when you do something, God, that only you can do. Let me recognize it. Because he's doing, he's at work around us all the time. But when those miracle moments happen, the application that we have, the lesson we learn from Mary, is we need to write them down she, what does she do? She stored them in her heart. How do you store it in your heart? You've got to write it down. You've got to share it with someone. You've got to not forget the miracles that God has done. One, two, three, four. I can't even count them all. Miracles on miracles. A million little miracles. Count your miracles. And you do that because when you... When you hide them in your heart, what it does is it helps you to get through the next problem, the next situation, the next struggle in life. When you can look back and you go, yeah, 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 but you know, when we were in the hospital and we prayed and God, God showed up and you know what, when, when our little, little one was having it and you know what, when, when we went through this as a couple, when our marriage was on the rocks, when God did this, when you have spiritual monument, spiritual marker after spiritual marker after spiritual marker, and you learn from that, my God is faithful to bring me through all this junk. When you're facing the next one, you can face it with faithfulness because you know God's going to get you through this too. But if you don't remember it, 
If you don't write it down, if you don't hide it in your heart, you'll live your life afraid of whatever the next problem is, whatever the next situation is, whatever the next calamity, the next pandemic is. But when you can look back and see God's faithfulness, if you hide those miracles in your heart, then when you face the next pandemic, you face the next whatever, if they, if they really do start World War III, you'll be fine. You'll be able to say, you know what, God's brought me this far, he hasn't brought me this far to leave me, and he's going to get me through whatever whatever comes ahead. Nobody knows the future but him, and nobody can get you through the future except him as well. So when they happen, hold on to them, store them away, because they remind us that God's doing miracles every day, and then we don't give up hope. Miracle moments, million little miracles, one, two, three, four, they give us hope. All those moments she had with Jesus, she stored them in her heart. It allowed her to have hope, even as he was hanging on the cross. All right, got to keep moving. Number four, the fourth thing that we learn from Mary's life is that following Jesus requires faithfulness. We you feel that in following Jesus requires faithfulness? Look, it's easy to remain faithful during the miracle moments of life. But following Jesus means we've got to be faithful even in the messed up moments of life. Even when life isn't easy. Mary was faithful and she had a difficult path to walk. A tough road. And even though she was going to see her son executed. There had been times she was faithful. And look, there had been times in Mary's life where she, where she was tempted to abandon God's plan. I'm sure, like all of us, she had her own plan that she had to continue to give up. There was a point in time that we see in the New Testament where Mary and Jesus' brothers actually tried to pull the plug and put a stop to Jesus' ministry. Now, we don't know where Joseph... Apparently, first of all, for those of you who don't know, Mary and Joseph had other children. Jesus had siblings, younger siblings, younger brothers for sure, more than likely Sisters James, who wrote the book of James, was one of Jesus' brothers. And Jesus' brothers and Mother Mary, after Joseph had passed, Mary was a single mom for a while. We don't know if she was raising younger children or if they were adults by the time Joseph passed away. But what we know is that at one point, they think Jesus is so out of line, out of out of bounds that they're trying to pull a plug. Look what it says in verse 21 of Mark chapter 3. And then I'll read you 31 to 35 because it gets a little weird. Um, it says, When his family heard what was happening, that Jesus was teaching and healing people, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. You ever had anybody in your family call you crazy? Jesus' family thought he was crazy. They're like, he's out of his mind. Now, I've got to understand, Jesus was turning the political world upside down. He was turning the religious world upside down. People were getting really mad at him from both sides and every side of the political spectrum and religious spectrum. They were out, and, and his family thinking, if you keep doing this, you're going to get yourself killed. They're going to, the Rome isn't going to put up with this. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they're not going to put up with this. The religious leaders aren't going to put up with this. Jesus, you've got to stop this. You're going to get, they're going to kill you. They're going to come after us just because we're related to you or following you. So they saw what was happening, and they thought, 
we need to Baker Act him, you know. We need to, we're going to drag him home, lock him up, and, uh, you know, let, let, let's go to the carpenter shop for a while, Jesus. You know, things are, things are crazy. So they stood outside. This is where it gets really weird. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There's a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And they're saying, See, I told you he's crazy. I told you. Then he looked at the crowd, those around him, and he said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, that had to be really hard for Mary to hear, don't you think? Because she was his mother. And he's like, she, she had a, what I, what I like to call this, I like to call this Mary's come to Jesus moment, literally. Because she had to decide at this moment, is she going to hold on to her role as Jesus' mother? Or is she going to let go of that and decide, I'm going to be one of Jesus' followers? Was she going to try to force her plan on her son, like a lot of moms try to do their son's whole life? Or is she going to say, no, I'm going to yield my plan for my son and encourage him to follow God's plan for his life, which is what all of us as parents should do. Mary had to make a decision. Was she going to hold on to Jesus as her son, or was she going to see Jesus as God's son and now as her Lord? Now, we obviously know the the decision that she made. She made the decision, the choice to follow Jesus. In fact, all the way to the cross. Faithfulness is making the initial decision to follow Jesus and then making that decision every day to be faithful to him. It's not a one-time decision. Salvation, one-time decision. Being a faithful follower of Jesus is a daily decision, sometimes even more than every day. Faithfulness is not perfection. Faithfulness is growth. It may be a two steps forward and one step back, but faithfulness is taking steps towards Jesus, becoming more like him, and God will reward that. In Hebrews 3.14, we have this promise, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. You know, maybe there's some of you here today or maybe watching online or out in the pavilion and if you're able to be really honest today, you would be honest and say, you know what, I, I just feel like giving up. Life is hard, things haven't gone well recently, and I feel like giving up on God, or I feel like giving up on this marriage, or I feel like giving up on the Christian life, or certainly feel like giving up on church, or maybe you feel like giving up on that dream that God's put on your heart. I just want to encourage you as your pastor and tell you, hey, I love you, God loves you, Don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage or on your family or on your kid, your teenage. Don't give up. Maybe don't even give up on that career that you're in. Look, we've all been through two of the worst years in the history of our country. Most of us would agree the last couple of years in one area or another has been some of the worst times we've ever been through. You can't collectively take the whole country, send us through a pandemic for two years, and expect that it doesn't affect you at all. And I hear people all the time say, oh, pandemic didn't bother us a bit. It didn't have any effect on us. 
yet their life's falling apart, or their health's falling apart, or their marriage is falling apart, or their kids are doing drugs, or all these crazy other things that are happening. And everybody's anxiety, their suicidal thoughts are all around us. And, and it's like, we don't pretend that you've been off the planet for two years. Everything that's happening in our society, where everybody's so polarized. You hate half the people you used to love. They used to be Facebook friends. You, you hate each other because of how they vote, what their position is on masks or on vaccinations or what their position is on this or that or whether they you know, like Disney World or not now. Who knows what you're, what you're arguing about? What, what's the next thing we're going to argue about? You know, um, That pastor likes the dolphins. I hate the dolphins. I can't go to that church. He's a dolphin fan. You know what I mean? Hopefully you've settled that already. Um, Look, just take a deep breath. Don't quit church. Don't quit your job. Don't quit your marriage. Don't quit. Just realize we're all, we've all been through the most difficult two years of all, any of our lives. I had one guy said, it's been the worst, the worst two years other than when I was in a foxhole in Nam. <laughs> they, they were shooting at me. That's the only time it's been worse than this. Like, yeah. That's kind of what we've all been through. So don't give up. Don't quit. Stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to your family. God will get you through the next steps. All right, last one. We've got to wrap up. Just like we sang the song, the second song we sang, following Jesus demands complete surrender. Mary surrendered herself completely to God's will. If we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to learn what it means to surrender ourselves to him. Jesus himself said this in Matthew 16. Again, I'm not bringing you any news that Jesus isn't bringing you. He says, if, if anyone wants to be my follower, Jesus says, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, it's going to require surrender. He wants to be a Lord of every area of your life. He You've got to surrender your life, your plans, your agenda, and let him lead your life because he loves you and his plan is better than our plan. So what area of your life have you not surrendered to, to God? Is it your relationships? Is it your marriage you haven't surrendered? Is it your career, your finances? What, one of the, your kid, what area of your life have you not surrendered to God? You want to know which area it is that you're struggling with to surrender the most? It's the area you're worried about. What area of your life keeps you up at night? Is it paying the bills? Is it having a conversation with someone that, you know, you just get that in the pit of your stomach? I mean, it's, you're tossing and turning over some kind of decision. I want us to take a moment and just pray and ask God, to help us in these areas. And if there's an area that you can pinpoint that you're ready to surrender, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Why don't you bow your heads as we close. Heavenly Father, we love you. And right now, Lord, I want to pray for, for those who are here who are already Christians. They already are followers of you. They say, I believe in you, God. But to be honest, like a lot of times in my own life, in you, but I'm not following you very well some days. So as we all pray, let me, let me just ask you a personal question. Is there an area of your life that you haven't surrendered to Jesus? 
that you can pinpoint because it's, it's the area that you're worried about or that you're fearful about or that you you have shame or regret about. It's the area of your life that's stressing you out. It causes you to wring your hands or feel that pit, that feeling in the pit of your stomach. Maybe today it's time to surrender that area to Him. To just say, to say, you know what? I believe in Jesus, but not only do I just believe not just believe in Jesus, but I want to follow you, Jesus, with my entire life. Right now, if, if you'd like to pray that, would you just say, Jesus, in just picture, say, Jesus, I'm picturing myself in my heart and in my mind. I picture myself on my knees in front of you, and in my hands, I'm holding this area of my life. I want to surrender my finances to you, or I want to surrender my health to you. I want to surrender my kids to you. I want to surrender my my marriage to you. And just do that. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my plan, my expectations. I want you to lead me. If you're here today and maybe you've never given your life to Christ, maybe you've never become a follower of Jesus, you've been living your life apart from Him. Maybe today for the first time you want to surrender your entire life to his plan. Your plan for his plan. Just in your heart, just say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. That's where it starts. A conversation with Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. I know what you did on the cross, dying to save me. I believe it to be true. So Jesus, for the first time, I don't want to be Lord of my life anymore. I need you. I need you to lead my life. Come into my life, please. Forgive me of my sins. Secure my eternity in heaven. And God, help me to live the life you created me to live. I'm no longer going to be the leader. I want you to be my leader. If you're ready to pray that prayer, pray it right now. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. And Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And he'll come in to your life today. He'll give you a brand new beginning, a fresh start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mary and her faithfulness that we can look at that on Mother's Day of all days. It shows us what it means to follow you. We thank you for Jesus, your son, who surrendered everything on the cross for us so that we could have real life, real life here on earth and real eternal life with you in heaven. We love you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, it's Mel again. There's no love like a mother's love, and we see that very clearly in the life of Mary. If you are fortunate enough to have a mom or someone who is like a mother to you, be sure to let her know how much you love her today. Thanks for worshiping with us and enjoy the rest of your weekend. See ya.